Taco Palenque fans, we have something special for you. Try the Casero Taco now for only $2.75 Monday through Thursday. Flavor packed with premium sirloin rice and refried beans. Only at Taco Palenque. At participating locations for limited time, not valid for delivery. Other restrictions may apply. From a highly secure network of top secret locations across North America, this is the Spurs Insider back with you for 2024. We took a holiday break, but here we are. I'm your host, Mike Finger, joined as always by Express News beat writers Tom Orsborne and Jeff McDonald and Express News sports editor Nick Talbot. I'm going to mention this is brought to you as always by Taco Palenque again in 2024. And since we last talked to you, we once again learned that Tom Orsborne is not exactly Nostradamus. How many how many victories in this hiatus had you predicted, Tom? They I ended think, up with one. Well, they ended up with one. Yeah. I think you yeah. predicted three. No, uh, no, no. I think I'm you, I think the, you pre- I'm out of the prediction pre- business. It's part of my New Year's resolutions. No more okay. predictions. No more predictions. I think you would we can go back I to predicted the predicted a win in Chicago. Yeah, and then there was one at home against Utah, and one of the two in Portland, I think, was the prediction. And really? and your local cagers got one. That might have I might be conflating you and Jeff together, but yeah. all your local cagers got was the first night in Portland. And uh, here we are. What where, where where are we heading into this new year with the uh, with the San Antonio Spurs? We're on a minutes restriction. <laughs> That's where we're at. So okay. We've got three minutes till the end of this podcast because we got to preserve ourselves for the uh, for the stretch run and what for, a our, scary, for our long term future. What a scary, strange moment in uh, Dallas uh, two days before Christmas. My God, that's a good place to start. Yeah. Oh my gosh, where were you? Where Where did you see this? Where Where were you? I, uh, I was at I was at my seat at press row, one of the one of the rare press row seats left in the league, sitting mm-hmm. next to. Uh, my fellow uh, Lee High School alum, Brad Townsend, mm-hmm. former competitor at the San Antonio Light, mm-hmm. longtime Dallas Morning News uh, reporter. And Tom James rushes up to us. For the listeners at home, who's Tom James? Tom James is the longtime Spurs media director. The he right-hand rushed... man of Greg Popovich. Yes, yes. He was mentioned Enforcer. in the Supporter, all that stuff. Mentioned it in his Hall of Fame speech, actually. Yeah. So anyway, he rushes up. He says, uh, Wemby will not be playing tonight. He stepped on a ball boy's foot. And I immediately <laughs> said, how is the ball boy? <laughs> and, and got no, got a little bit of a grin, but, but you know, he, he, uh, he explained the whole situation. Um, he was pretty serious. Uh, and then about, Two minutes later, Jordan Houndstein comes up to us, the number two guy, uh, Tom James's number two guy. Only ex- in rank, not in not in our hearts. Jordan's right. really number number two to no one. But go well, ahead. Well, he comes up and explains the same situation. So uh-huh. yeah, it's just just really strange. We we pieced it all together with a video. And then after the game, I, I don't think I've seen Pop that ashen or or grim. Yeah, well, that's mean, really was, saying something. He was, he was, it was, it was a, yeah, maybe, maybe that's a little over the top, but he was, he was shook up. The whole organization was. I walked out with uh, 
Mitch Johnson, the assistant, one of the assistant coaches afterward. And he, he was on the court at the time, helping Wimby warm up when he stepped on the ball boy's foot. And uh, he was pretty shook up about the whole thing. So, and in the meantime, Wimby is wondering why in the heck they're holding him out. Cause he, right. Right. I'm, I'm told, I'm told, and this may be an apocryphal story. No, I heard the same thing. He did For a, the he, listeners at home, what's apocryphal? Man, uh, you're full of definitions this morning. Seriously. Enough. He, um, I'm told Wimby, after that, was going through the layup line and did like a between-the-legs dunk. And then went over to Pop and like, I just did a between-the-legs dunk. I, I'm fine. And Pop still wouldn't wouldn't let him play. Yeah, they were they were going back and forth until, you know, close to tip-off about it. And, uh, um. You know, the ex- explanation to me was, you know, the medical staff, once you tweak an ankle like that, your ligaments are a little stretched, you're more vulnerable to injury, and there was just no way they were going to take a chance with, uh, I could, with the franchise. It could be noted he has t- turned that ankle three times in the last month. and That's kind of to that point. Yeah. Once you stretch the, those limit ligaments, they say, you become more susceptible to it, and you become more susceptible to the next one, being worse and being something that really keeps you out. Um, but going back to it, has there been any reporting? Did the ball boy play that night? Like, did he participate? Did he do his job or was he out as well? <laughs> uh, I think he continued. He soldiered on. I th- I think uh, uh, poor guy, you know, I think, you know, who knows what happened? I mean, he could have been further back. Uh, the Spurs staff might have scooted him back a little bit. I don't. I don't know. I, it's Pop, just Pop says the ball boys need to be more nimble. Like that needs to be a a, a qualification. Yeah, yeah. Where the ball boy tryouts is. A, yeah, is they a, they need to run them through cones and do do. Uh, or just you know, if you see a seven run. three guy running at you, get out of the way. <laughs> We've been talking at some point. I don't know if it was on the podcast or in real life. We do every now and then talk in real life as. As annoying as that sometimes is. I haven't is. talked to any of you jokers in real life in, in, in quite some time, since, yeah. since last year. That's <laughs> true. Um, about how there rarely has been times it, during the Wimby era in San Antonio when you see him take like a scary fall. Like he, even like Jeff said, when he has turned his ankle, he's been perfectly fine and i've mentioned before like you know how tom brady knows how to fall he never gets hurt and i don't mean to be jinxing everything now but he's just a he's just the type of guy who you he's sort of the anti anthony davis anthony davis great player probably a future hall of famer but he has what appears to be a career-ending injury every time i ever watch him play in Bad person body. or on TV, it's like the, every every time he tumbles, it you you the whole arena holds its breath and it looks like it's the end of everything. Whereas Wemby takes some of the most ridiculous, like you say, turned ankles, whatever, sprawling out of bounds, and just seems fine. And even on this one, like Tom said, he was ready to play right afterwards. And I guess part of that is being young. Part of that is all the stretching he does. He's extremely flexible, but um, he's. So far, he's not Anthony Davis. He's not Zion. He's not giving the, the fans, the teammates, the coaches reason to just fret about every fall. Um, we'll see how long that lasts. And I guess the Spurs have reason to be real careful about stuff like this. They held him out. We have to cover two weeks here, but they held him out of the second part of that following back-to-back at uh, at Portland and uh, triumphed, prevailed romped in that first game and uh the, without him it wasn't nearly as as uh 
successful. But um, I, I I just think it's it's interesting, even though the Spurs are being careful with him injury wise, he hasn't shown the propensity to to make them worry. Right. And even even before then, he was out against Milwaukee. I was on that three game trip. He was a late. Well, the, the night before the game, uh, he was they announced him being out. Then he was limited in Chicago and then, of course, out in Dallas. But all these limitations were not because Wimby said, uh, no, no, I need limitations. He, yeah, he wants quite to the play. Opposite. Quite the yeah. opposite. I've actually told, you know, they put him down. They, they sat him out the second night in Portland. And there was an actual like debate, internal debate on how to list him. Is it rest? Is it injury? Is it injury management? And Wimby apparently is a very, uh, especially in English, I guess, is very literal. And he was like, but I'm not hurt. My ankle doesn't hurt. You can't put down injured. I'm not injured. So that's <laughs> how they settled on rest. To him, it's it makes more sense to say it makes more sense. And uh, it's not such a blow to the pride, I guess, to say rest because he understands, oh, rest is doing something good for my body. Whereas if you put down injury, he doesn't want to look like he's injury prone, especially when in his mind, I'm not hurt. I'm just the, the doctors are telling me I have to rest, but I'm not hurt. And, and that is so that, fascinating yeah. for a number of reasons because there's there's a generation or maybe maybe it's not generational but another type of player who might have the opposite <laughs> thought about it like I think, don't I tell think people it, I'm resting tell people that I'm actually hurt like that's that's less shameful I to actually, sit out with an injury I actually think it's a cultural thing the Americans would rather be tell people that they're hurt and not resting and the Europe maybe I'm and maybe I'm generalizing here. The, the international players are more prone to accept rest as a reason instead of, um, you know, a, 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 an injury that might not be an injury. Because they have like the three-day work weeks in France, right? Uh, fascinating t- fascinating topic here. It is indeed. <laughs> it is indeed. Um, yeah, that's 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 something we could get into on. Uh, the three-day work week. <laughs> we're going to have a cultural uh, uh, spinoff of the show where we just talk we, we have Jeff on to talk about different nations different uh, traditions around the globe and how it affects local cagers I think you that'd be fun you should see how they do it in Sri Lanka <laughs> you know French reporters on here to confirm some facts about work, the French work weeks No, I, the, the, we, the French we, do not have three day work weeks that was a bad ugly American joke I, several times during the course of the Spurs season I have uh, somewhat semi-seriously filled the role of the ugly American in the in the post-game uh, press conferences. It, the, the, uh, the that the crew, is your Maxine. nickname. That yeah. is your nickname among among the French. What, yeah. What's funny? That was his nickname before the French even got here. Yeah, <laughs> Maxime, Benjamin, Theo, Vincent. Every now and then, they love when uh, when I'm the ugly American. Um, what what else? I've 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 been in the Big Easy. I've been with the Texas Longhorns. I've been I've been away from the local cagers a little bit. So so you guys have to uh, steer me well, into the conversation I, I we got, need to talk about with these I got guys. Something. I got something. Uh-huh. Uh, Keldon Johnson is is making his case for Sixth Man of the Year. That was that's a new thing that that has, that wasn't the case two weeks ago when we last convened here. That's somewhat. Uh, uh sarcastic right or 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 not i mean he's coming off the bench now and he wasn't two weeks ago and okay. he's playing playing pretty well okay average 20 points and is in his uh bench role there in four games but very uh, 
I mean, the list of problems that this team had when it was losing 18 in a row and 24 out of 25 or whatever it was, um, Keldon Johnson's play wasn't uh, at the top of it, <laughs> probably not near the top of it. So this is just another example of, I think I can speak for all three of us, all four of us, um, likable guy to cover. Um, Spurs love him, and for him to kind of swallow his pride and say, yeah, I'm going to do that like Mono Ginobili did, like so many Spurs did, I, I think that's uh, that's an admirable thing. Um because he 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 can look at himself and say, "Hey, I'm not the reason we're losing. Why are we? Why am I getting moved to the bench?" Um, but that's that that that's a that I, I'm I, mean, I just want to tip my hat there to the guy. That was it was sort of the move I thought they were going to make from from game one, like with the, yeah, summertime when we were discussing of which of the six guys is not going to start. The thing that made the most sense to me was to let Keldon Johnson like kind of come off the bench and and you know run amok on the second unit. Now, part of my thinking also at that point was that Trey Jones was going to be the starting. Right. Guard, so that, that hasn't come to fruition, but um, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think you on, in the, on the season opener, I think you were sitting next to me at, at the frost and said, what, what does Keldon even do? Like he, he's barely there. Like he's just running around out there. He doesn't know how he fits with the starting unit. And I think yep. with the bench gives him a more defined role. He has more minutes of being able to be the the lead scorer off the bench than he does when he's playing in the starting lineup with Devin Vassell and and Victor Wimbanyama, who let's face it, are going to take most of the shots when they're on the floor together. So I, I think I did uh, that night. I remember saying that, and I do um, remember in the season preview that ran in the Express News, the Dead Tree edition, which is still available to anyone who wants to come by and pick it up, full of great stories from Tom Orsborn and. Jeff McDonald and uh, on expressnews.com on the uh, uh, Spurs Nation newsletter um, in the in the season preview where I I predicted that your local cagers would win 35 games, which turned out to be a bit off. Season's not. Uh, I'd I'd thrown something uh, in there about how Keldon was going to move to the bench in December or something along those lines. Uh, maybe maybe November. So th- you're right. This was something that we we saw as an option. Um, and maybe, maybe, maybe it'll work out long-term, but, um, I, I, I still think even though we saw it coming, he's the veteran guy. He is the, he's the guy who other players look to as a leader in a way. And, and for him to, even though, like pop said, if Monty Ginobili can do it, anybody can do it. The fact that he did do it and didn't complain about it, um, is, is, is worth a nod. That's worth a tip of the hat. I mean, he scored his season high off the bench. He's been there four games, and he had a 29-point game, which is a season high. So I think he's liking it. Yeah. Yeah. What, where else do you need, you need to direct this? You're, you're, I mean, is, you're... It, is it going to make any diff, any difference in terms of wins, lo- wins and losses right now? Probably not. But you got to try something, right? We should mention this. We are recording this on the morning of January 2nd, the Tuesday, as always, it'll hit your digital players on Wednesday. So we're not, we don't have the benefit of that Memphis game. Tom's in Memphis, walking in Memphis. Uh, I, I, have a clue barely. I, I know but, Tom's not in the prediction business, but yeah, Memphis, uh, you know, as of this, <laughs> this, this podcast has won 11 in a row against the Spurs. So, you know, maybe the Spurs are due, but I think it will go the other way. I think that a tough week. Yeah. 
the that game that that played on Tuesday night that we're not talking about because it uh, we haven't seen it yet. The key to the, for the Spurs defense, as always, when playing Memphis, three words, Jeff. You know what it is. Where what sh- where is Ja? Where is Ja? That's what the Spurs defenders need to be asking all night long. Uh, not sure they're going to be able to take care of him, but who knows? We might look, we might sound stupid on Wednesday morning when you're listening to this. After a, wouldn't be the first a Spurs time. romp, wouldn't be the well, first. They have the uh, the NBA's uh, leading shot blocker. That's something they didn't have against Ja before. So that's true. When what 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 has you you wrote about uh, Wimby's shot blocking exploits? What else has? stood out if we're going to start the new year talking about positive things what 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 else is positive with this team these days i like wimby's use of the word dystopia that was a fun <laughs> one to drop out of nowhere for the listeners at home tell them first of all what dystopia is and and uh, where that came from <laughs> the endless saskatchewan graphs here and tell us what a saskatchewan graph is mike do we really want to go down there? Because I I will bore the listeners with all these Saskatchewan explanations, and I'm not sure I'm not sure they're going to be entertained by it. They want the the O's and X's. Some of them still want the O's and X's, which we just can't provide. Um, but now now I feel like I'm veering away from the a very nice little dystopian anecdote, and I want Jeff to handle no, that. No. And if there's time later, I'll get into the Saskatchewan graph. It's but go ahead, Jeff. What is a dystopia? What did what did Victor Wembanyama think was dystopian? And uh, just 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 enlighten the listeners on all this stuff. It's, it's not the greatest anecdote ever, but um, I thought it was funny. You know, when he's playing uh, those games in Portland, or that game Victor played in Portland was his first NBA NBA game against fellow uh, high draft pick Scoot Henderson, and all you know, all the year before, as we remember the previous twelve months, all last some uh, leading up to the draft, those two were kind of seemed to be considered one of the you know one and two the guys that were gonna go one and two scoot scoot fell to third three but uh, at this time two octobers ago we thought they were one and two in the nba draft and they play uh victors for the listeners at home what exactly is the nba draft i'm sorry i'm sorry go ahead go ahead <laughs> we actually had a copy editor i know i know for, well no this this predates the one you're thinking of oh uh, okay i'm thinking um, of the training camp one yeah, she she would uh, she would want these kind of explanations in print. Uh, I see. It, it was really tough writing about sports like hockey because she uh-huh. wanted everything explained. But I digress. Back to dystopia. Well, just to, okay. to describe what might be an inside joke, we had a podcast years ago where boy, uh, this is this podcast is just full of of left turns. Where <laughs> where we can't keep a asked, thought. Oh, hopefully Nick and left left, tur- left turns. We go in a circle here. Where That's I was right. asked, we had a podcast years ago where I was asked in the middle of it, like I, w- I was talking about, so, you know, so and so doing well, turning heads in training camp, and then the follow up question that I was asked was, for the listeners at home, uh, what is training camp? There you uh, go. It just floored me. Anyway, back to the story. Scoot and uh, Victor <laughs> played that exhibition game in Vegas. Uh, in October 2022 and so when they played again in Portland that was their first meeting in the NBA and a lot of reporters were asking questions about that and flashing back to their first meeting in Vegas and, and how that went and it was Victor's first game on U.S. soil and and you know what we what he was thinking at that time etc cetera, etc cetera. 
And I was just curious. I wasn't really expecting any kind of great answer. I just kind of threw it out there. You know, this was your first game on U.S. soil. It was also like your first um, experience, your experience with Las Vegas. Like, what did you just think of that as a whole? Just the lights and the glitz and the glamour and the and the and everything. And <laughs> Victor said, um, "Well, to me, it's the closest thing on Earth to a dystopia." And I about died because I wasn't expecting that answer. And I just loved the fact that the 19-year-old French kid is using the word dystopia in English when, uh, as you alluded to earlier, most English-speaking people probably can't define that word. And I just, I loved it so much. And um, as with everything, it went viral. And uh, now some people are mad that he's slamming Las Vegas. And what I what I didn't think of at the time and haven't had a chance to circle back to is uh one of victor's uh teammates is a las vegas native that's so true i wanted to <laughs> ask that collins what he thought about uh victor slamming his hometown and really <laughs> you know starting some kind of locker room drama but zach got hurt so we haven't talked to him since so one of the things that uh pull pull it a little full circle for one of the stories that tom wrote one reason he might know what a dystopia is is because he reads brandon sanderson novels yes yes and uh, the Mistborn series that he likes is a dystopian novel. There, so, you, go. there you go. That's why he might know what a dystopia is. There yeah. you go. Maya, uh, I wear, I read Berenstain Bears novels. That so that seems on that tracks. Those are also to be fair. Those also are dystopian. So does Zach talking bears wearing pants? I mean, my goodness. Yes. It's interesting. Uh, you know, Zach, you talked about dissing his hometown, but did they? I wonder if native Las Vegans uh, view the strip, you know, as Las Vegas. Yeah. I mean, Victor was really talking about the strip. He wasn't talking about like Henderson, Nevada, or, you know, the suburbs, the place where people live. He was really talking about the, that's not his scene. And I think we've known him long enough now to understand that's that, that Vegas scene that you think of is not his scene. And that's all he was saying. Well, and and one of his biggest moments biggest viral moments early in his his career as a uh as an nba player was on that strip with the oh yeah when he met britney spears when he met britney spears for the people people at home we have younger listeners can you explain who britney spears is the saskatchewan graph on britney spears um Um, do i need to define that do do people care tom i think they do what is the uh, where is saskatchewan that it's a province in what the, is a province uh, in the in the nation of Canada? Canada. What is Canada? Um, long, a long, long time ago, uh, more than twenty years ago, more than shoot twenty five years ago. Uh, I went to. Uh, I was a college kid. I was a mere college kid. And uh, took journalism classes, and there was a guy called Mike Quinn, who I think Jeff knows. Yeah, Coach Quinn. Coach Quinn, who. Uh, Actually, he's not covered, a coach, by the way. He covered the, the JFK assassination. He was, I think, he was there when when they shot Jack, when Jack Ruby shot Oswald. He was one of the first guys. But in in teaching journalism, he had a requirement in all news stories that there be near the bottom of the story after you give the who, what, when, where, why, all that type of stuff to provide a Saskatchewan graph. And it is, this is the paragraph that you used to see in news stories that would explain what you think should be known by 90% of the 
people who are reading the article about whatever happened in the news this this week. Um, you know, uh, uh, Don, Donald Trump not being allowed on the ballot in Colorado or whatever. Um, somewhere in that story, you have to write a paragraph for someone who has been in the wilds of Saskatchewan for the past year and might have no might have not have been following this at all and needs to be explained exactly who Donald Trump is and why he's not on the ballot in Colorado and what January 6th was and what have you. So it, the, the running joke of this podcast is I have been asking for these Saskatchewan paragraphs for all these topics that we're discussing. It's fun. And, and it, it, it's a good like journalism thing to know no, that you can't we'll assume that out. readers know the whole story all the way through. So with yeah. this example, you would say January 6th, comma, a tourist event. Uh, there you go. No? Okay. I don't I, think um, I, I I probably shouldn't have used that example or delving into some stuff that is better left to our friends at Pudo Politics, which you should a, also check out a typical on, our, on your Express event. News podcast. Well, I'm, I'm just glad you explained that because I thought you were still drunk from New Year's. So I think that explains why you're acting the way you are. That's inappropriate. Um, we still have some time. What what else do we need to talk about Spurs wise? Is there any O's and X's to get into for the listeners who tune into us for the oh, yeah. um, for the basketball well, strategy? Since we mentioned Zach Collins, you know, tough tough break for him, but in context, not the toughest he's had in his career. You know, suffering that ankle sprain, and he's now out for two to four weeks. Uh, that that's just a scary moment for him, just like Wemby. You know, it wasn't as bad as it could have been, but you know, given his injury history, you just you just worry about him whenever he, he gets hurt. He was hurt. very um, like it, it. It shook him a little bit. If you want to talk about people being, yeah. um, you know, it was the left, it was the right ankle that he sprained in Portland, um, not not the left, which is good news. The left is the one he had had surgically repaired three different times and caused him to miss entire seasons before joining the Spurs. Um, but I think doing it and and doing it in Portland where he was playing when his left angle ankle went south, I think it was kind of a, a, a mind minds. I think it shook him because it, it, it just reminded him of all those times. But it, so the fact that he came out of that only having to miss two to four weeks, I, I think everybody can look at that as positive news, you know, comparatively speaking. Early in the season, we were talking about all the big guys they had and how they how they had two starting centers and and plenty of guys in reserve. And now Charlie Bassey's gone and Zach Collins gone. And who's 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 getting those backup minutes now? Who's what? What were they doing? Who'd they just sign, Tom? You wrote about him today. Did I? Oh yeah. Uh, let's see. So I'll get his name right. That's why I threw it to you. I know, I know. I I knew what you were doing, Jeff. Was it Gorgie Ding? Was it Gorg Gorgie Jing? Yeah, no, it's the kid uh, who. Hey, what a great pedigree! Won a national championship with Virginia, and then mm -hmm. was on the Bucks championship team. Mm -hmm. Mabadi Diakite. Did there I get that go. right? Yeah. There you go. Yep. Uh, so they signed him yesterday to a two-way contract. Um, after another big man, Charlie. Uh, gosh, what was it? What was that? Right? Yes, yes, he went down with a season injuring injury as well with Austin. So, big guys, you know, it's not not a good time for the big guys, uh, in the Spurs camp. 
think they need to bring Gorky back to, to play. Yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's, he's around all the time. Well, yeah, as I, as I joked in the Dead Tree edition, um, they're going to re-sign Gorgie, but then Pop's going to start him at point guard. <laughs> oh, Do we need to get into that in the new year? Are, tray. are we bringing the the Trey Jeremy Sohan discussion into the new year? Or are we leaving that uh, behind? I, I I'm okay to leave it behind. Okay. The, I mean, the, the experiment was, has been left behind, isn't it? Yeah, the experiment has been left behind. There was a moment there at the end of the old year, December 26th, when the Spurs played Utah. Um, it appeared we were kind of guessing at, and reading between the lines at some things that Greg Popovich said. But we thought maybe Malachi Branham was about to be replaced as the point guard. Mm-hmm. And maybe this was, again, us just speculating, maybe this was Trey Jones's chance finally. But no, that didn't come to fruition. Um Malachi had a really rough game against the Jazz, and Pop pulled him less than two minutes into the second half. Did not return to the game till the very end, like the last couple minutes when they basically forced him to finish out a blowout loss. And after that game, Pop was talking about, you know, he's going to start demanding consistency from some people or else there's going to be some changes around here. And so we took that to mean like they're going to go to Portland and make it. Maybe maybe there's going to be a lineup shake up in Portland, but uh, there was not. And Malachi started both games in Portland, played really well in the first game that they won and uh, didn't play so hot in the second game that they lost. And I guess that would speak to the consistency or lack thereof that, that Pop has been bemoaning. But as for now, it seems like he's still the starting point guard and not Gorgie Jane. So that's where we You know what would be just incredibly amazing? Um, Jeff's been covering Greg Popovich for 17 years. Feels like he knows him because he's around him all the time. I've known Pop for 20-something years. Tom's known him even longer. They went back way back to the days when they walk up and down the Alamodome halls together. Uh, we feel like we know the guy. <laughs> but what if, what if we found out that all this time, Pop has secretly been the most online person we've ever known and is doing all of this just to troll Twitter users? Just just to troll people like like he is his going home every night and laughing because he knows that everyone in the world thinks he should play Trey Jones and he's not doing it just to anger people online. I think that would be I think that would be hilarious. Yeah, um, remember, remember fake coach pop on Twitter? Maybe he was the real maybe, coach. Pop. Maybe that was him. <laughs> maybe that was him. Because the Trey Jones thing is got is it's reaching kind of comic proportions because he's clearly the best point guard they have. He throws lobs to Wemby that nobody else throws, and he does play with them. And again, like I've said before, we're talking about a few minutes a game uh, that the starting point guard would play uh, more than Trey Jones plays. So it's not it's not the difference between uh, making the playoffs and finishing in last place or anything like that. It's probably not the difference in many wins and losses, if any at all. But there has to be a point when you just say, start your best point guard at point guard. <laughs> like why they won't do that is is it has to just be screwing with people. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, it sounds like no way to run a basketball team then. <laughs> Clearly yeah, it's not just to screw with people, but seems like a good way to get the number one pick. But this is not a very good draft. And right. and I I see Jeff having this argument with people who assume that the Spurs are tanking again. If they're tanking, that's a really, really poor strategy. They're just bad. They're just bad. Speaking of uh, really versatile guards that can do a lot for a team, Derek White, it was good seeing him uh, on New Year's Eve. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's playing his little rear off. My gosh, yes. He, he played his hair off, too. <laughs> he, played, yeah, he played his hair off. And uh, with the understanding that when we reevaluate all these transactions, trades that were made in the years leading up to Wimby, like they come with the asterisk of if they hadn't have done this, they might not have ended up with Victor and they would be they're they're better off with Victor than without him. But the more the longer we get away from that Derek White trade, the less great it looked for what the Spurs got in return. Um what they like he's 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 a really good player. The 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 big prize was the pick. If you take out like the Romeo Langford stuff, the, which was just filler, and they, the, they, the they and the pick became Wesley with that. The pick, pick became Blake Wesley. Was there who still has a chance? Involved? But is there a pick swap involved in that one? There's a pick swap in like 28, I think. So maybe which may or may not pay off, but that's the only thing that's left. It's it's the trade right now is, uh, Derek White for Blake Wesley and a possible. Pick swap. Well, they also years. got Josh Richardson, and who did they swap Josh Richardson for? A bunch of second there you rounds. Go. Yeah, second round. Okay. So there's trickle down stuff, but that's that's uh, like Derek, and and part of that is because Derek has just continued to get better and better. Like I don't think Boston realized how good of a player yeah. they were getting when they got him. Like to your point, so, watching that game on New Year's Eve, I was like, you know who the Spurs need? It's Derek White. <laughs> To, to, that would fix all all the point guard issues is Derek White like throwing lobs to Wimby. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, the the rub of that is if you had kept Derek White, you don't have Wimby. That right. That's that was my point when I introduced this. That, so I I, I, I I so I think it's a good trade. Yeah, like that's that's the way to look at it. Um, if if they had Derek White all along, there's no way they would were bad enough last year to get Wimby. Um, and and the choice that was made. Uh, when they decided to do this and to become sort of intentionally bad last year was they wanted to be bad during that year. And that worked out. So uh, why look well, back? Why look back? Why, 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 why look back in anger? Why look back in regret? We're in a new year. We're moving on. Does anybody add anything before I finish this up? I look, I'm looking forward to the next podcast when we hear Mike finger explain the inverted pyramid. <laughs> that's something for the, I mean, that's going to bring the listeners back, man. I mean, that's that if we, this just turns into like a podcast where we mention Victor Wembanyama as a means to get into really old school, outdated yeah. journalism yeah. lessons. Like that's where we take over the internet. A, I think a, a nut graph doesn't mean what you think it does. Plus we, we should have Sandro uh, Mamu on the uh, podcast to explain you know, to talk about work weeks in his in his home country, uh huh, and just have a different guy every week. You know, international flavor to talk about work weeks where they come and the, from. and the different cultures and and the way they look at rest and injuries and things like that. Yeah, that'd be something. We're open to anything. Uh, we're open to your uh, to your feedback. We will continue to do it. Look for you not only on this podcast but at expressnewsnews.com with the Dead Tree Edition. Uh, everybody have a good year uh, and take care of each other and keep it real. Bye.